Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Stephen. Um, I'm the youth pastor here, and it's my pleasure to be uh, speaking to you today. Um, I hope you're well. Do you feel good? Yeah? You excited to be in church? Cool. That's awesome. I just want to say, I, I, I felt like, I feel like I always say this, but I feel like it's a big deal that you're here. Um, it, you might feel like I'm just at church, but like, it's a big deal that you're here. Um, and we want to also just welcome anybody online. I think it's a big deal that you're tuning in. Um, you could be doing anything else. Um, and I know it's not football season. I know maybe there's nothing going on, but hey, the weather's getting nicer and you're in church. So come on, why don't we give ourselves a hand and we'll give it up for all those joining us online. Um, my goodness, I just want to, I just want to make it really clear today. Um, no matter what you believe about God, no matter what you believe about Jesus, no matter what you believe about life, uh, you're welcome here. You belong here and you are invited here. Um, and I just think we, we always say this to our young people, but I just think nobody is here on accident. I think that you are here on purpose. I think God wants to let you know this morning that he loves you and that he's proud of you. And can I just say this, that you're doing so much better than you think you are. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say, neighbor, you're doing so much better than you think you are. Come on. Somebody needs to hear that today. You thought you, you, thought you were doing bad, but so much better. Well, I am so excited, so excited uh, to get to share the story of Jesus with you today. Um, we're going to be, be, be beginning a brand new series called I Am. Somebody say, I Am. I am. I'm so excited. Um, I will explain a little bit later, give you some context, but basically we're going to be going over the seven I am statements of Jesus found in the book of John, um, and I just believe they're going to be amazing. They're going to be life-changing. Come on, somebody said amen. 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 If you know anything about me, you know I'm kind of a loud preacher, um, and I preach better when you talk back, right? So, like, you could help me preach today. That would be awesome. That would be great. Um, so why don't you open up your Bibles? If you've got a Bible, open up to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to start our reading in verse 25. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up here for your viewing pleasure. Does that sound good? Well, John chapter 6. Um, give you a little bit of context where we are coming from. These, this is moments after Jesus has, uh, the very famous story has fed the 5,000. Maybe you've heard of that story. I'm going to give you a little context later into that story. I'm believing it's a very, very familiar story. And what happens oftentimes is when we go over familiar stories in the Bible, we kind of tune out a little bit. But I would just ask that you'd lean in this morning because I'm believing that God's going to give us some new perspective today. I'm believing that God is going to give us new eyes today. He's going he's to share with some, something new. And guess what? Even if everything I say is old news to you, it's still a good reminder. Amen? Amen. Cool? So, so, so I want you to understand this is coming from after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus has withdrawn. He's gone across the body of water, and the pe- these people have followed him. Um, and again, I'm going to give you a little con- bit of context later, but let's read it. This is what it says in John 6, verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. I want you to catch that. Can you go back? I want you to catch that real quick. Do not work for food. Work for food. Okay, work for food. Remember that later. Do not work for food. Okay, next, next slide. Which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed the seal of his approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. 
So they asked him, well, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, always give us this bread. That sounds like some good bread. That doesn't sound like gluten-free bread. That sounds like some good bread. And then Jesus declared, here it is, the very first I am statement. I think it's very significant. It's the very first one. He says this, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Isn't that beautiful? Come on. Why don't you say amen? Amen. 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 And we'll pray and we'll dive right in. Jesus, we love you and we thank you, God, for who you are. God, for what you do. You're so amazing. God, I pray as we leave this place after we share moments around your, around your word, around your scripture, God, that we would leave here more in awe of you. God, that we would leave here more in love with you. God, we would leave here more receiving of your grace and your mercy. God, that we would leave here knowing who you are, Jesus. And in that, God, you would show us who we are. We just thank you for who you are, Jesus. And we love you. God, I pray this morning that you would make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer as I communicate what you put inside of me. Holy Spirit, I just ask you would give me what I need. And God, give us what we need. God, would you soften our hearts and open our ears? Jesus, we just want something from you. We just want to know you. And we just love you in this place, Jesus. All God's people said amen. 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 You know, our goal is, as Jesus followers is, is to get to know Jesus in an intimate, real way, right? But it's not just that we would get to know Jesus. It's also that we would allow ourselves to be known by Jesus, right? We... God wants to know us in an intimate way, and deep down, whether we realize it or not, we long to know God in an intimate, real way. And I think that you might know this, this might be like a dust statement, but just in case you don't, our God has a name, and his name is Jesus. It's what we believe here. Our God's name is Jesus. And how many know that when you're going to start a relationship with someone, it's probably important that you learn their name? Right? Like, what is, these, this, these are some of the most awkward situations, and I will just be the first to say, I am bad at names, okay? Can I just confess my sin to you? Can I confess my weakness to you? I am bad at remembering names, and I have had plenty of awkward conversations where I forget a name, right? And it's, it's, it's never the situation that anybody wants to find themselves in is when you forget somebody's name, and so I'm always trying to remember names. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think through my brain. I'm, I gotta get better at this. I'm always trying to improve, Right? But like names are powerful. Names are significant. Names are important. You know, you know they, they say that we love to hear our own name, right? Right? Okay, cool. We love to hear, our, sometimes during the sermon, I'll just check to see if you're still engaged. We, we love it when we hear our own name. We love talking about ourselves and names are really important. And it's important that when we start a relationship with someone, we learn their name. Some people, they walk through life and they wonder, what is God's name? This is actually what took place in Exodus chapter 3 with Moses. Moses, he, 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 he finds himself encountering God in a burning bush. We know the story, but 
But Moses, he, he, he's raised in Egypt, and, but he's not Egyptian. And one day he sees an, uh, an Egyptian guard beating an Israelite, and he goes to the rescue, and he accidentally kills this Egyptian guard. And so for, out of fear, he flees for his life, and he runs out to the wilderness. And he's in the wilderness for 40 years. And one day, he's out doing his thing, and God meets him where he's at. God shows up in a burning bush, which speaks to me so much, and I want to encourage somebody today. Come on, how many know that we serve a God who meets us where we are? We serve a God who doesn't say, hey, I need you to get up on my level. I need you to try harder. I need you to do better. No, no, we serve a God who actually comes and meets us where we are, and by his grace, he takes us to where only he can take us. So he meets Moses in a burning bush, and and it catches Moses' attention, and Moses approaches and and he begins a dialogue with God, and God wants him to go back to Egypt and, and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And I love the question that Moses asks God. He asks, God, if I go back there, what do I tell them your name is? How do I identify you to them? What is your name? And what does God say? God says, I am who I am. I am who I am. What's my name, Moses? I am who I am. Well, what does that even mean? Well, I am speaks to Yahweh. It speaks to this, this name Yahweh, this God of absolute power, that he is in control, that he is above all things, that he is greater than all things, that he is, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, that he is the God who was and is and is to come, that he is the God who is not impacted by our circumstance. He's not impacted by our behavior. He's not impacted by our belief in him. Come on, he's just God all by himself. He says, I am. Another translation will say, I will be what I will be. What, what is God saying? I, I, I am. He's saying, I am whoever and whatever and whenever you need me to be. I am whatever, whenever, wherever, however you need me to be. What are you in need of today, friend? Can I ask you, are you lonely? Because he is closer than your next breath. Are you broken? Because he can put you back together. Come on, are you sad because my Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted? Are you in need of something? Because God is actually the answer to all of your problems. He says, he says, I am. I am. And you'll notice as you read the Bible, the Bible begins to echo itself everywhere. And as Jesus steps onto the scene, he, he, he begins to... He begins to tell people who he is and he refers back to this moment in Exodus chapter 3 and he, he wants everybody to know seven different times that I am something. He's saying, I'm not just some guy. No, 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 I am God and I came with a message. And I want you to know that I am the bread of life. That I am the way, the truth, and the life. That I am the door. That I am the good shepherd. That I am the true vine. That I am the light of the world. That I am the resurrection and the life. Are you impressed I memorized all that? <laughs> I'm a pastor, so it's what I do. <laughs> and I love it so much because, you know, some people will say that there's eight I am statements, but there's really seven. And, and, and the number seven is very significant in all scripture. 
In all of Scripture, the number seven means completion. It means wholeness. It means spiritual perfection. As if to say Jesus came and stepped on the scene and he wanted to let us know that I am the completion. I am the fulfillment. I am everything that you need. I came to fulfill the law. I came to fulfill the prophecies. I came to give you spiritual perfection so that you don't have to be spiritual, spiritually perfect on your own. Come on, somebody. I came to give you my righteousness. I came and I completed everything. Jesus said, he comes and he says, I am. And so I'm super excited to walk through these seven I am statements over the next couple of weeks. Um, not me personally, but our preaching team. And, um, and, and I think there's a lot to pull from each one. Um, and I'm so excited for what God's given us today. Um, but, but I want to make it really clear that we're not going to look at what Jesus has done. We're not going to look at what Jesus has done, but rather we're going to look at who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. Because our pursuit as Jesus followers is to get to know God and to let God know us. Say amen. amen. Just so I can take a drink. So today, so today we're, we're in John chapter 6, and we just read it moments ago, but we're going to start with the very first I am statement that Jesus makes, and he says, I am the bread of life. Now this word life is one of John's favorite words. He will use it more than 36 times as he tries to reveal to you and I that, that the, 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 real, the real life that Jesus offers See, our culture and our world, it, it, it wants to tell us how to live our best life now. But John wants to let us know how to have real, peaceful, joyful, abundant life. And it's in Jesus. And it's at this point in John 6, it's really important that we know that Jesus is really popular. Okay? He, he, he is really popular. He is really, he's beginning to get really well known. He is trending on Twitter. He is, he's got millions of Instagram followers. Ladies and gentlemen, he is even on TikTok. What is TikTok? I still don't know. But he's on it because he's popular. And rumors begin to spread about this Jesus. Rumors begin to spread about this God. And, and, and as you read through the book of John, you'll see, you'll see all these significant things that Jesus is doing. And people are beginning to talk about this miracle working possible Messiah to be. You know, John 1, we, we see that he gets baptized and we see the audible voice of God. How many know that would grab your attention? <laughs> John 2, we see Jesus turn water to wine. Not just any wine, but the best wine. John 3, we see him talk to Nicodemus. And we get the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I told you I'm a pastor, so i got to memorize things. It's impressive. John... <laughs> John 4, John 4, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible, Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman at the well. And I love it so much because Jews and Samaritans hated each other, but Jesus came and he stepped on the scene and he said, listen, I don't do racism. I came for every single human being. My love knows no boundaries. And so I'm going to go out of my way and I'm going to not only going to encounter a Samaritan, I'm going to encounter a woman and I'm going to show the world that my love knows no bounds. And this encounter led her to go back to her town and say, Come and meet a man who told me everything about myself. John 5, we see him heal a, a man that was paralyzed for 38 years. It's a long time. And so you see as you read through the book of John, as we get to John 6, Jesus is very popular. He's drawing crowds. And we get to the story, very famous story of the feeding of the 5,000 and again, I think it's very significant. Not only is this the first I am statement, but this is also one of two miracles that's recorded in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all record the resurrection 
and they all record the feeding of the 5,000. It's very significant. I mean, to be the only miracle alongside the resurrection, that's pretty significant. So the Bible, let me give you some context just so we all understand. The Bible says there are 5,000 men. And we know in these days that they did not count women and children. And so scholars believe that there's more like eighteen to 20,000 people there. That is a crowd. 5,000 is a crowd. But eighteen to 20,000, that's a big crowd. And I love, we're going to read in John 6, 5. John 6, 5-7, Jesus looks upon the crowd. And this is what he says. He says, when Je- it says, when Jesus looked upon, up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, I love this. I love the Bible. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him, only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus. I love him. And Philip answered, he's like, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite, let alone a meal. Is that all I got? All right, that's fine. I can work with that. I love Jesus so much because this is such an interesting situation. Jesus already had the solution to the problem. But he, he, he decided to ask Philip anyways. Just to see what he would say. Like Jesus, Jesus is like, I just want to see what he's going to say. This is going to be good. Like I already have the answer, but like I'm so excited to see what Philip's going to say. Like I imagine like Jesus is like in the morning, he's prepping and like they, he knows where they're going. And he's like, I'm going to test Philip today. It's going to be so fun. And Philip's like, What? Like, how is this even possible, Jesus? What if I just, what if I told you today, church, what if I told you today that Jesus already has solutions to problems that you don't even know exist yet? That Jesus, he already has the answers, he already has solutions to problems that you haven't even encountered yet. Even some of your situations right now where you feel like there is lack in your life. What if I told you it is actually a setup? It is actually an opportunity for you to trust God to supply every need that you have. It's just an opportunity. It's just a setup. Jesus already has the answer. He already has the solution. The question is not does God have a plan. The question is is how will you respond in the waiting How will we respond in the trusting? How will we respond in the leaning? How will we respond in the relying of Jesus to supply every need? Because Philip, listen to me, Philip, he states the obvious. He says, Philip asked how. Philip asks how. God asked, Jesus asked where, but Philip asked how. How how are we going to do this? Half of your wages wouldn't even be enough for, for everybody to have a bite. But notice that's not what Jesus asked, is it? See, because can I tell you, how changes. Methods come and go, right? But where is all about your source? Where is your source? Where is your hope come from? Where does your peace come from? Where does your joy come from? Where does your, where, where does your provision come from? Where does your help come from? I don't know about you, but I want to be like the psalmist that says, my help comes from the Lord. Because I don't know. I've just seen it time and time again. God always shows up. I don't always know how he's going to do it, but I know when he shows up, I know where I'm going to give my credit. I know where I'm going to give my praise. I know where I'm going to give the glory. I know where I'm going to give the honor because he is my source. He's my source. And I love Philip because he asks how, but Andrew, Andrew's different. (laughs) Andrew, he goes, hey, there's a little boy over there and he's got lunch. 
Looks like five loaves, two fish. Hey, Jesus, uh, some people over there need prayer. Yeah, why don't you? Okay, guys, let's go steal it. Come on. <laughs> Is this how it happened? Probably not. But, like, I just like to think that that's how it went down. <laughs> like, because uh, these are not, like, the most polished guys, you know. Uh, so we know Jesus, he takes the, the five loaves, he takes the two fish, and and he, he does what he always does. He multiplies it and he works a miracle. And he's amazing, right? But I, I just had this thought. What if, what if what's holding you back, church? What if what's holding you back in your situation is not what you are missing? It is your inability to hand over to Jesus what you already have. See, how often, how often do we wait to obtain things? Do we wait to get to a certain place to then give something to Jesus? But what if... What if you didn't wait to get more money to give money to Jesus? What if you didn't wait to get more time to give time to Jesus? What if you just trusted him with what you already had? See, God wants you to trust him with what you already have. Can I remind you that our God, our God, he took dirt and he breathed into it and made a human. What can he do with the dirt in your life? See, so often, so often, we think that what I have to offer is just not good enough. I want to offer something, but look how good they are, and look how good they are. And I just don't know if I can be as good as them, so I don't know if I can serve. I don't know if I can give, because my my gift is not that much. But I just think think that if we would just give something, we would see God turn it into something amazing. Listen to me, listen to me, because listen, it's not about what you give, it's about who you give it to. It's never about what you give. It's always about who you're giving it to. And God wants you to know, dirt in his hands, <laughs> dirt in his hands can turn into life. Dirt in his hands can, turn, can take a dead situation and bring it to life. What could God do with the dirt in your life? The Bible says he takes the five loaves, the two fish, and they hand it all out. And all 20,000 people, they're fed. It's amazing. I, I think we've heard this story so many times we forget how amazing this is. He fed 20,000 people with a Lunchable. <laughs> Did you like that? <laughs> so the Bible, Bible says that these, these people, they were, they, their faith was rocking. They were stirred up. They were like, they'd been seeing Jesus do some amazing stuff. And they, they were excited. They were like, Jesus is amazing and Jesus it says the Bible says that he withdrew because he knew that they were going to try to make him be their king and you're like wait a minute I thought Jesus wanted to be king isn't he king Jesus well you got to understand he already is king all by himself he doesn't need anybody to crown him but what he really knew is that they wanted something totally different than why he actually came see they thought that he came for a political takeover they thought that he came to change the government they thought that he came to overthrow Rome But that's not why he came. Jesus didn't come for a political takeover. He came for a heart takeover. And so he withdrew and the Bible says that he got into a boat and they crossed the water. And this is where Jesus walks on water, but we certainly do not have time to go over that. But this is where he walks on water and it's amazing. You should go read it. But these people, they wake up and they're like, hang on, where did Jesus go? Where did Jesus go? And so they figured out and they get in their boats and they follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. And I want to read in John 6. Can we just read 25 through 27 one more time? They find Jesus, and this is, what he, this is what it says. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because 
you saw the signs I performed, but because, I, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that inter- endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So this is so important for us that we understand this because he says, he says, listen, the only reason that you came and found me is because I gave you physical, temporary food, because I filled your belly, because I gave you bread, but that bread is temporary and it spoils. And I think that you've come to me because you, because you want me to do something for you, but I'm wondering, can you come to me just because of who I am? I know you know what I've done, but do you know who I am? Because who I am is so much greater than what I've done. Who I am is so much greater than what I can do. And what Jesus is always challenging, and what he is challenging our church today, is Jesus will always challenge the intention and the motivation of our heart. It is not what we're doing. It is why we're doing it. It is not what we're doing. It's why we're doing it. And Jesus says, he says, I don't want you to just come to me for benefits. I want you to come to me for a relationship. Don't just come to me for what I can do. Come to me for who I am. Knowing my name is the starting point, but you got to know more about my name. I am the bread of life, and you came to me because, because, you, because I gave you bread back there. But I'm wondering, can you come to me not for, who I, not for what I can do, but for who I am? I am the bread of life. The bread I have, it doesn't spoil. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. It, it, it's eternal. It's who I am. And Jesus says, listen, the moment I stop giving you bread is the moment that you run away. In other words, when I stop doing stuff for you, you leave. And this is the epidemic that we live in today. That we want God's power, but we don't really want the person. That we want God's miracles, but we don't really want the man that comes with the miracles. That we want the crown, but we don't really want the cross. That we want God's blessing. Oh, God bless me. But don't talk to me about the burden that comes with the blessing. I'm all about the glory. But I didn't know that there was going to be suffering involved. I want the Savior, but I'm not so sure I want the Lord. Jesus says, I know why you're here. It's because I fed you. And that's cool. Listen, I can feed as many people as I want to. I can whip up the best pizza party that you've ever been to, but please understand that that is temporary, that that appeased your physical appetite, but there is something so much deeper, and it is a soul craving, and it is only me who can satisfy the soul craving. It's only me that can fulfill the soul craving, and I want you to come for me not for what I can do, but for who I am. See, most of the time, Jesus is waiting on us to, to trust him and get past how the miracle is going to take place and just focus on the fact that he is the miracle. Yeah. He is the miracle. And he's saying, I am everything that you need me to be. I am the bread of life. And these people, they say, well, okay, Jesus, give us a sign. <laughs> give us a sign so we can be sure that you are who you say you are. Peter's about to slap someone. Because he just fed 20,000 people with a Lunchable. And you want another sign. You want another sign. Uh, what? 
Did you not just see what took place? Did you not just see what God did? And what it speaks to me, please hear me, please hear me, is that signs and miracles will never be enough. Signs and miracles are awesome. They're amazing. We need them, but they are not the purpose. They are not the point. Listen to me. They will never be enough. It is only Jesus that will be enough. It is only relying and trusting and believing and and internalizing and leaning on Jesus that will be enough to trust that he is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do. The only thing that keeps me going, the only thing that keeps me moving forward is that my God is faithful, that my God will never let me down, that my God is going to come through. I might not know how he's going to do it, but I know where he, I know where my source comes from. The miracles, the signs, the wonders, they're amazing. I love them, but don't get it twisted. Don't miss the point. The point of the miracle is to point to the ultimate miracle. And his name is Jesus. He is all that you need. But this is where they they say, we need a sign. Our ancestors received a sign. Moses brought the manna from heaven. What sign do you bring us? And of course, he's referring to when the Israelites were in the wilderness. And I preached on this before. But, but they were they, basically every day, God would provide manna from heaven. Manna from heaven to provide for their needs. But because the Israelites did not trust God to come through, the miracle was awesome and they partook of the miracle. But then they thought to themselves, I just don't know if he's good enough to come through tomorrow. I just don't know if he's going to do what he said he's going to do. I just don't know if he will be who he said he's going to be. And so they took the manna and they would hide it in the tent. But God would allow that manna to spoil every, every, every new day. So that they would have to learn to trust him day by day. They would get an understanding that God will do what he says he's going to do. That faithful you are. Your promises are yes and amen. That you will come through. Even when I can't see, even when I can't feel it, God, you are working. But Jesus says, he says, you want a sign? You want a sign? Well, first off, let me, let me get some things straight. First off, that, that manna did not come from Moses. That manna came from God. Second, um, I tr- am trying to tell you right now, like I'm just convinced if, if Jesus could have got a neon sign that pointed to him and said, like, it's me, he would have. It's like, I'm trying to tell you, I came from heaven. And I'm better than manna. <laughs> I'm the son of God. And I am the bread of life that if you will eat of me, you will never be hungry again. I'm the son of God and I am here. I, I was on the throne, but now I am here standing before you. And if you will partake of me, if you'll internalize me, if you'll just look to me, you won't ever be hungry again. You won't ever be thirsty again. We see these people, they just keep going back and forth with Jesus. And, and my goodness, there's a lot of verses and we don't have time to get into all of them. We don't have time to get it. But one of the things that Jesus says, and look how serious he is about the internalization of him. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will never experience real life. People are like, this got weird. Let's hit up Chick-fil-A. Like, (laughs) you guys want to hit up Chick-fil-A? This just got weird. This guy's not going to give us any more bread, apparently. And so they just keep going back and forth. And as they go back and forth, more and more people, they begin to leave. There's a lot of people that were there, but they just start to leave and leave and leave and leave and leave because Jesus isn't giving them what they want. And finally, they say in verse 28, verse 28, they say, okay, Jesus, well, what's the work that God requires? 
what's the work that God requires? Isn't it funny that our response to the good news is often, what do I have to do? Well, what do I have to do? It's good news, but can you just tell me what to do, though? (laughs) See, because it's like the good news is just too good to be true. The gospel is just too good to be true. I don't know about you, but I grew up and I heard this phrase a lot. Something like this, that if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Anybody else? And we grow up this way. This is our culture. And can I be honest, it's, it's a fair thought, right? There are people out there that want to take advantage of you. Right? It's a fair thought. But we encounter the gospel. And we're like, oh my goodness, Jesus is amazing. <laughs> this is awesome. This is great. I love you, Jesus. Thank you so much for everything that you've done for me. I love you. But then somewhere along the line, we, 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 we slide back into our default And we get back into this place where we start to try to explain grace. Where we start to try to add things to the expansive love of God. We start to try to explain the gospel. Yeah, it's good news, but you better do your part. Yeah, the grace of God is for you, but, 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 but. And I just found anytime you start adding conjunctions to the grace of God, you have probably missed it. Anytime you start adding conjunctions to the expansive love of God, you have missed it, friend. Anytime you start adding a but to the gospel, you have missed the point of the good news. That while we were still sinners, while we were enemies with God, He came and He died for us. That He became sin so that we could become right with God. Not by our own doing so that we could not boast, but by the grace of God so that we would only boast in Jesus. That I come to you and I preach, I preach the cross, I preach Jesus and Him crucified. And that's all I got because it's all I need. Can I just say it? Can I just say it like this? You can never over-exaggerate the gospel of Jesus. You can never over-exaggerate the grace of Jesus. You can never over-exaggerate the expansive, majestic, awe-inspiring love of God. You just can't do it. You can try, but you can't do it. But this is where they're at. They said, what are the works that God requires. And I love what Jesus says so much. I love what he says. He says, it's so beautiful. He says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's it? That's, that's all I gotta do? Okay. I think I can do that. Just, 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 believe. yep, that's your work. That's it. To believe in the one he has sent, i.e. Jesus, by the way, just in case you missed it. To believe in Jesus. Please hear me, church. Please hear me. Right believing will always lead to right living. Right believing will always lead to right living. I think so often we get, we get so busy focusing on the wrong thing. I got to do this, and I got to go there, and I got to talk to that person, and I got to fast, and I got to pray, and I got to make sure I go to church and give my money, and I got to do this, and I got to do that. And I gotta, oh, I got I to gotta do better because I'm just trying to please God, and I just want to be pleased with me, and I'm, I just I got to do this. I gotta, friend, your focus is on the wrong thing, and I just want to encourage somebody today, if you would shift your focus back to Jesus, if you would shift your focus back to believing, come on, right believing would lead to right living. That listen to me, listen to me, God 
he wants you to know that he's placed his Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And what is the work of the Holy Spirit? It's to change you and to transform you. And so while you get busy believing, God get busy working on the inside of you. As you just get busy believing and relying and trusting and leaning and internalizing, God, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. And he says, I'm going to transform you by my grace. I'm going to change you by my grace. I'm going to change your mind. I'm going to change your thoughts. I'm going to change your desires. I'm going to change your nature because I'm not. My listen, my grace, it'll meet you right where you at, but it's too good to leave you there. So I'm going to take you where only I can take you to. Come on, somebody give God some praise for the work that God does on the inside. The question that you have to answer today is do you trust God enough to work it on the inside? Or do you need to do it yourself? Because willpower is not real power. It will leave you you dry. It will leave you empty. But I just need to wake up every morning with the realization, Holy Spirit, I need you to do what only you can do. And so what do we got to do? What's our work? It's to believe in Jesus. Believe that he is who he said he is, that he will do what he said he will do. Believe that, that while we trust him, he's working for us, that we would just rely and believe. Listen to me, the work is not doing. The work is not trying harder. The work is not doing better. The work is not a seven-step program to faith, friend. The work is believing. And here's what I've learned. I've learned this, that wherever you remove relationship, everything becomes work. You know this to be true in your marriage. You know this to be true in your relationships. Where you lack relationship, where you lack intimacy, everything becomes work. But where there is intimacy and where there is relationship and where there is internalization, where there is focus and intention and, and, and eye contact, come on somebody, how many know like doing the dishes is really not that hard anymore? It might be hard at first, it might be hard to get going, but you're like, I'm just doing this because I love. And God is the same way. See, when you remove relationship, when you remove intimacy with God, church becomes a chore. Tithing and giving is really hard when you don't have relationship. Serving is a drag when you don't have relationship. Sharing my faith, ugh, no, too busy. This is what Jesus knew about him. He knew that they came for benefits. He knew that they came for bread. He knew that they came saying, fix me, help me, put me back together. Give me, give me, give me, give me. Me. They were there for what he could do, but they weren't there for who he was. But how do we, like I said, Jesus says, it's really weird. And, and if you're new to church, I apologize because sometimes Jesus just says crazy things. But he says, you got to eat my flesh, you got to drink my blood. And it might sound weird, but he's trying to get a point across that you, you want to eat bread, but I want you to eat me. I want you to partake of me. I don't want you to continue to partake of temporary things that spoil. I want you to start to partake of me. I will never spoil. I will never run out. I will never fail you. I will always be here for you. I will always come through. And so how do we eat his flesh? How do we drink his blood? How do we work for a God? Well, according to Jesus, and I'm almost done, I'm almost done, but according to Jesus, believing equates to working. Believing equates to drinking. Believing equates to eating. Believe what? Believe that Jesus is who he said he is. 
Believe that he's not just some guy. Believe that he is not just some good teacher. That he's not just some fictional character. No, but he's actually the same God who showed up in Exodus known as I Am. Believe that he walked this earth and that he went to a cruel cross for your sins and my sins. Believe that on the, that, 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 that on the cross they put nails in his hands. And every nail that went to his hands and feet, it was for you and me. Believe, believe, church, believe that there on the cross he canceled the debt of sin that we owed and freed us eternally from it. The past, present, and future sins were forever taken away in Jesus. Believe that he became our sin so that we could become righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's your work. That's your your job, Christian. That's your job, Jesus follower. Believe, believe that he died and he went into the tomb for three days and three nights. Believe that he resurrected in power. Believe that he ascended back to heaven. Believe that he's coming back for his church. Believe that we're going to be in eternity with him. That we're going to be in heaven with him. Believe. That is our work to believe on the man that is Jesus Christ. And right believing will always lead to right living. It's our job to believe. It's more than, it's just, it's more than just, okay, Jesus, I believe. No, no, no. It's a trust. It's a daily trust. Especially in moments where it doesn't look like he's going to come through. Do you still believe? The Bible says one by one they began to leave until the, just the 12 disciples remained. And Jesus asked, are you going to leave me too? Peter goes, no way. You, and you, is, is life. And you is eternal life. We have seen and we have heard and we believe. Where would we go, Lord. just believe and we just trust and we just rely and and our God has it all worked out. I don't know how he's going to do it but I know when he shows up I know where it came from. It came from a, a man named Jesus Christ and he is the bread of life. And that's just the truth. Can I, I want to close with this. I, I just pray, I pray that we would be a church that when we look out at the world that when we look out at people that we disagree with that when we look out at people that we would think are against us. That we would see that they are actually just hungry. That we would not pick up stones. That we would not judge them. But we would realize and open our eyes. They are hungry. They just don't know what they're hungry for. And so they try to fill the void with all kinds of temporary things that try to fill the void. Can I? Least, can we just be honest today, church? Even those of us who know Jesus, we still try to fill the void with all these temporary things. But Jesus came and he said, stop filling, your, stop filling your soul with temporary things. Fill it with me instead. I'm the bread of life and I will never let you down. You will never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty again. And I just wonder if we could remember that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the spirit of darkness people who believe differently than you, people who look differently than you, people who act differently than you, people who smell differently than you, people who talk differently than you, people who live in different places than you. They are not your enemy. They might just be hungry and they might just not know what they're hungry for. And so I just pray we'd be a church that would put the stones down and we would say, hey, let me give you a taste. Let me give you a sample. Let me give you a little bit of taste of who Jesus is because our God says, would you taste and see that the Lord is good? we'd be like Costco and we would just give people samples hey hey, hey, hey. let me give you have you have you tried this <laughs> have you tried this little this is Jesus I like to call this the bread of life I like to call this soul food 
you have a little taste. That's our job. So I don't know, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe, maybe you're watching this sometime later during the week. Maybe it's nighttime. I don't know, wherever you are, I just feel like God wants to speak to you today. Are you still looking for the thing that your soul longs for? Are you st- have you still not found what you're searching for? Can I say it? This, look no further than the man, Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. He is the satisfaction. He is the fulfillment of every craving that I have, every, every longing of my soul, every, every, every craving of my soul. He fulfills. And I, I just want to declare, I have found the one who satisfies my soul. Would you pray with me today, church? Jesus, we love you so much. God, I thank you for not just what you do, but who you are. God, that we would be a church obsessed not with what you do, but who you are. That what you do is such a byproduct of who you are. Jesus, we, we want to know you and we want to be known by you. And I just pray for every person in this room, every person watching this online, every person watching this later on in the week. God, they're in their car, they're in their living room, they're in their bedroom. God, wherever they are, they're on a park bench. I don't know where you are right now watching this during the week or you're live right now or you're here. I just pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that they would get it, get, they would get it on the inside of them that God, you and you alone are the fulfillment of our soul that you and you alone satisfy. God, that we don't have to look for the temporary bread that spoils. God, we can look to you and we can never have to look for another source again. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just begin to speak. God, I, I feel like there's, there's just so much you're trying to speak on this morning, God, and I just trust that you're just speaking right now. I, I just feel like God is speaking to you right now, and I just pray that there would be an obedience, there would be, a, there'd be an answer to what he's putting in your ear right now, he's putting in your spirit. And Holy Spirit, you would just touch them right now, you would, you would be with them right now. We thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for who you are. Today, I want to pray for one person, one person. You're here and you're saying you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never, you've never partaken of this, this Jesus that is the bread of life. And you're here and, and you want to make a decision today to make him your Lord and your Savior. Bible says, Bible says that he came and he became our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That simply means that you cannot earn salvation. You can only receive salvation. And in one moment, one decision today, you can know in your heart, you can know in your soul that you believe in this Jesus. And one day when you pass from time and space to eternal place, you will be in eternity with him. You want to make that decision today. The Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. 
of God's standard. And it says that God is on the inside. He's knocking on the door of your heart and only you can answer it. And so if that's you, and I just ask that you would, you would be so bold to raise your hand today so that I can pray for you. You would just right now, you'd right now, you lift your hand up so I can pray for you. I would love to pray for you. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we just pray, anybody watching online, you're going to make that decision for the first time today. I know there's going to be a, a link you can click in, in the chat. You can connect. You can fill out a connection card. Please let somebody know. We want to pray for you. We want to show you next steps. And we want to walk with you because it's a big decision. Come on, can we stand to our feet? And as we stand to our feet, can we just give God some praise in here? And he's so good.